let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable M's. Hi, welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and in this episode, I'll be doing a roundup of RPG A Day 2022 questions 5 to 10, with a light sprinkling of a couple of calls just to mix things up a bit. So, without further ado... So it's the 5th of August, day 5 of RPG Day Month, and today's question is, why will they like this game? Now, I was initially thrown by this a little bit because in the past, I have approached the RPG Day Month prompts in isolation, you know, taking each prompt as a separate topic. This is obviously referring to previous answers. I was initially thrown because I've mentioned a few games and when I was thinking about introductory RPGs, I was thinking from the perspective of a player and what I consider would be a good introduction for me. Not necessarily thinking from a GM's perspective as to what would be a good introduction for other people. So I've mentioned a few games. I'm assuming this is referring to the people that I've mentioned when it came to introducing new players to the game, which would be my wife and children. I mentioned the Call of Cthulhu box set as a great place to start. Obviously, that's not going to be so great for children. <laughs> um, in the past, when sitting down with my young daughter, I think she's probably still four at the time, and I just thought up some prompts and we kind of had a little story playing session. You want to throw some dice in there, recess would be a great way to go. Getting back to the game I did mention in relation to getting my wife into gaming, Call of Cthulhu, she likes a bit of horror. I think it's an interesting time period. The fact that it's more investigative and focused on social interaction, stuff like that. I do think, I do hope that would appeal. My thoughts when initially responding to this question, why will they like this game? I don't run games. I have been a player for a few years. I haven't made the transition officially into that GM seat. So I wasn't thinking of a specific game. I was thinking of what I would bring, hopefully, as a GM. And I hope my enthusiasm for the setting would engage the players. And I think as a player, I'm very much aware of the whole group getting the opportunity to make contributions. So I... I am very conscious of when maybe 
somebody has missed their turn. So as a player, I will kind of perhaps direct a question or inquire about the player that I feel has perhaps been missed out. Fortunately, that doesn't happen very often because um, the games I play in have extremely good GMs running them. But as I say, as a player, I hope when moving into that GM seat, into that role, I hope that's a quality that I will bring to GMing. And I, I think there are some parallels with, see, I studied and practiced psychotherapy. Part of being a psychotherapist, a counsellor, is having regular supervision. And that involves taking things that come up in a therapy session, things that people bring into that session that may be triggering or problematic for you, the therapist. And it's, it's very important to address and process that stuff. And that's done through what's called supervision, which is very much like a, a therapy session except the focus is on the work you're doing as a therapist. There are very firm boundaries about um, disclosure, ensuring that you're not identifying who you're talking about. You're not saying anything too specific about the particular situations you're discussing so that clients aren't identifiable because client confidentiality is paramount. So, yeah, where was I going with that? Oh, well, part of that, what, what is also helpful, additionally helpful, is group supervision. A group of therapists will get together and one person will take on the role of the facilitator and will oversee the session, ensure that everyone gets their opportunity to discuss what they want to bring to that supervision session. Um, it's also about managing the amount of time spent on each individual, dividing that time equally, being very mindful about what's being spoken about and ensuring the session doesn't go off on wild tangents, which is ironic given what I'm doing here. Anyway, there's certain skills involved there that I think translate to being a GM and ensuring everyone at the table is included, has the opportunity to contribute and feels heard. So that's day five. I bet you've forgotten what the question was now, haven't you? <laughs> Hey Spencer, Jason here. Great to hear you back on the air. I could look this up myself because I own it, but I'm in the car and I'm lazy. That supplement for Jaws of the Six Serpents, is that the one that also gives options to play different periods, like pulp heroes and stuff like that? I think I remember that in one of those supplements, or somewhere. Anyhow, great to hear you on the air. Look forward to your next episode. Take it easy. Jason Connolly there of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and you are absolutely correct, Jason. Uh, towards the end of the Serpent's Teeth book, that supplementary material 
for Jaws of the Six Serpent. There are indeed a couple of chapters regarding, well, there's one called Red Sands of the Six Serpent, a genre guide for Sword and Planet by James Malazowski and Tim Gray. And the, the final chapter is Breaking the Jaws of the Six Serpent's Cult for Pulp Action by Tim Gray. So, yes, it does address going pulp, which I think that certainly the, the system, the PDQ system, I think it certainly lends itself to that. And I, I guess it's just a small step from sword and sorcery to sword and planet, just a matter of uh, changing the scale of the game, I guess. And, and talking about changing scale, in the previous episode, Jason sent me a series of messages which he ended with a question asking me how I felt about the idea of switching between different characters as a player within a game. Now, I spoke a little bit about mass combat, but I didn't really address that POV question. And... um yeah, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I do enjoy, as a player, I do enjoy inhabiting the character. And I'm not talking about acting or doing a voice, but viewing the world from that one character's perspective. Even when it comes to having hirelings and retainers, I am a bit reluctant to take those on and I know you suggested the idea of um, having like a West Marches style troop play open table game where players wouldn't necessarily be playing the same character from session to session. I'm not sure how I feel about that either. Uh, the idea of being a character in one session and then having somebody else play that character in a following session, it might be fun. But uh, I would say it's not something that strikes me as an appealing idea. I've got to be honest. But um, as always, Jason, thank you very much for uh, calling in. Welcome to day six of RPG A Day Month 2022. And the question for today is how would you get more people playing RPGs? Well, the first thing I thought of in the last few years, in fact, just before COVID hit, me and my wife and a couple of the locals approached the YMCA they had quite a, a large room that they were looking to revamp and we approached them with the idea of creating a community cinema and um, they, they really liked the idea so uh, as far as getting the funding and setting that up was uh, a real success unfortunately because <laughs> it, it was completed just before COVID. It sat dormant for the best part of two years. That really didn't get going until earlier this year. And it has proved quite successful. The, the plan was always 
one Saturday a month, we'd show uh, kind of a matinee for the kids and a film in the evening for a more mature audience. We managed to get some volunteers to help make that happen. It all appears to be going very well at the moment. As it's a community project, not a money-making scheme or anything, it's just run to wash its own face, as they say, and um, provide the locals with something to do. I mean, we, I, I live in a small town. You'd be forgiven for calling it a village. A population of about 2,500, it's... Um, situated in the Cairngorms National Park and we are about 30 miles south of Inverness which is the nearest city and that is where you would need to go if you wanted to go and watch a movie really and me having spent 20 years of my life as a projectionist I was very excited at the prospect of being able to set up a local community cinema so um what would be nice is to be able to set up a community gaming group. Um, I'm not really in a position to be able to commit to anything like that at the moment, but that would, that would be nice. We could get enough people interested and get that off the ground. Certainly one way of bringing more people to the hobby. This is probably a good point at which to give another shout out to the Tricksters Net project, which is a role-playing game created by my good friend Barney Dicker, who's based in Germany, and Tom Burmeister, who's from Playframe, who's based in Wales. And this is an international arts project designed to get people, not just getting young people playing RPGs, but assisting them to get them into designing RPGs. And that is available on itch as a free PDF. And I will put the link in the description. Also, that itch page explains the project a little bit better than I did just there. But um, a really, really interesting way of getting people involved in the hobby, I think. A wonderful, wonderful project. It's now the 7th of August, day 7 of RPG A Day Month 2022. And today's prompt is a little different because it's not in the form of a question, but it's entitled System Sunday. Describe a cool part of a system that you love. And well, the first thing that springs to mind is Into the Odd created by Chris McDowell, as you probably already know, because I speak about this game all the time. And um, I just think it's a very nicely streamlined, stripped back, intuitive game. But there is an element of it that I struggle with initially, and a lot of people still do. This is a game born out of the OSR, old school, 
renaissance or um, revival. I consider it OSR. Some people don't. It probably fits in better with the whole NSR movement, New School Revolution, which is a, a label I kind of struggle with in the past, but I, I'm aware it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek label. And uh, as it applies to a lot of games that really appeal to me, it's, it's, a, it's a label that I've warmed to. It certainly better describes the kind of games that really interest me. But um, I digress. Now, with an eye on speeding up combat in Into the Odd, Chris took the step of removing the to hit roll. So instead of rolling against an AC, an armor class, to see if you hit a target and then rolling for damage, you essentially roll damage and that is applied directly to HP. Traditionally, that stands for hit points, but Chris uses that to stand for hit protection because in this system, HP is probably best described as your ability to defend yourself or protect yourself. So in this context, when you're fighting and rolling for damage, the damage is not actually physical damage. It's wearing you down and you, you don't actually receive any injuries until your HP reaches zero. And then that will be taken from your stats. So ordinarily, it will come off of your strength stat. Now, considering that HP is your ability to protect yourself, it makes a lot more sense that that can be restored by simply having a short rest and perhaps some refreshment. Also, what's neat about that is that if you're over encumbered, your HP is ignored because you're unable to defend yourself if you're weighed down with a load of, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to, uh, you know, drag a load of stuff around. So yeah, I just think that that is a very neat way to iron out or rather um, address a lot of issues around what hit points actually represent. So there we go. That's something that I have grown to really appreciate in a system that I love. Advertisement break. Hi, I just wanted to bring your attention to a new Kickstarter that's launching today, One Night Worlds, a collection of zero prep, GMless, one page TTRPGs. This is a project created by Brian Hazard, a collection of one shot friendly games with the emphasis on collaborative storytelling could be yours for just $1. There'll be a link in the show notes. Let's get back to business. Well, it's day eight of RPG a day month 2022. And the question is, who introduced you to RPGs? Well, I pretty much covered this 
on day three, where I spoke about when I was first introduced to RPGs. It was my school friend, Carl, who introduced me to his gaming group at his house when he invited me to come and play Merp, Middle-earth role-playing. As I said, unfortunately, that friendship didn't last really beyond us leaving school. Um, I moved away. We didn't stay in touch after leaving school. And, you know, I'm not particularly proud of how I handled that. And I often think of Carl and wonder if he's still gaming today. And I do like to think that he is. Well, it's day nine of RPG a day, and today is a pretty straightforward question. What is the second RPG you bought? And I have very vivid memories of persuading my dad to drive me down to Leon C to the Warlord Games Shop and going in there and being completely overwhelmed by the shelves of games that I saw in there. What I didn't realize at the time was that the majority of that stuff was probably wargaming model stuff and things like that. But I did have a couple of RPGs in mind when I went in there, but I was only going to purchase one. And it was a toss-up between Stormbringer second edition i believe it was that had just come out and paranoia which hadn't been out very long either and i was just so taken by that image on the front of paranoia of the inept troopers sneaking up on, on some guy who's sitting there watching them on cctv and uh, they're about to come face to face with a battle bot looking thing that's lurking just around the corner and uh yeah it was that humor the satirical absurdist dystopian sci-fi i hadn't seen a lot of sci-fi up to that point rpg wise I'd, I'd seen Traveller, but the way that was presented, you know, just looked like a bunch of maths books to me, and uh, <laughs> it, it really didn't capture my imagination. Certainly not in the way that Paranoia did. And, um, yeah, so I purchased Paranoia, and I'm glad I did, because even though I never actually got around to run it or even play it, I got a lot out of that book. It was an enjoyable read. Had I have got around to playing Stormbringer if I had picked that up? I don't know. I've never had the opportunity to play that either. But there you go. All right, Spencer, sounds like you've been busy spending all your pennies again. Um, you picked up quite a few books and... Well, they all sounded pretty amazing, actually. One that caught my attention, you mentioned J.V. West. I'm quite the fan of his Black Pudding Heavy Helpings book. It's one of my RPG books that has proved to be um, very usable, actually. Uh, and I've played a number of little adventures in there, and 
I don't know what it is. I just find it quite charming and uh, approachable. Yeah, I, I can't quantify it, but uh, Goza, Gooza, whatever that, that game is, I, I checked it out. I hadn't heard about it, so I've, I've been online and taken a look, and it looks like quite the blast. Um, Sci-fi, goblin-y type guys, what's not to like, um, super light-hearted. I love some of these crazy tables and stuff like that. And then pretty much sealing a deal by mentioning Square Hex, Peter Regan's company, I believe. Whether I'll stump up for a printed copy, at the moment, I'm kind of narrowing down my collection. So $5 for a PDF, I think that's a sale, mate. Uh, oh, yeah, and the other one. I'm still thinking about that into the yard. You've uh, you've tempted me there, and now now dangling under my nose, we've got vase and wow, that is super tempting. But uh, I'll have to hold off with that one, I think. Anyway, mate, as always, good to hear from you. And uh, if you are running into the odd anytime soon, don't forget hit me up. I'd love to join you in a game. I still haven't got around to playing it myself. Colin Spike Pit Green there, and thank you very much for that message, Colin. I'm sorry if I'm making life a little bit difficult for you, but I know you do like a dilemma, so there is that. I'm, I'm kind of personally, I'm sort of at a point now where maybe uh, my collection's getting a little bit more fleshed out. I'm at a point where I might have to find a little bit more room or either do a bit of whittling back myself. I've certainly purchased a few things over the last couple of years that I don't know, I'm not sure. I'd say that, you know, 80% of my collection I'm very happy with. I've picked up a few bits along the way, which I might struggle to get to the table myself and perhaps, but it's early days. It's early days for that. But yeah, Thanks very much for the call. I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. Cheers. So here we are on day 10 of RPG a day. And it's that question. When did slash will you start game mastering? Well, for those that... um, have been listening along to the podcast you'll know that I haven't run a game yet I mean there was that one time where I did get a taste of it Colin Green invited me on his podcast to talk about a game that I had put together a very minimalist rules light 2d6 game called osseus he invited me on the show to talk about that but when he started recording he asked me to uh, run a little session for him i (laughs) i was a little flustered but i did it and i think it went all right and um it was completely off the cuff i had nothing planned and it didn't turn out too badly at all I mean, it was very brief, a scene, let's call it. But I'm really grateful for him doing that because, you know, it did give me a little taste. And 
and that is what I'm interested in doing as a GM. You know, I'm not that interested in doing lots of prep. I've always got my eye out for low prep games. What I would like to do is, you know, work on my improvisational skills. The thing is, I'm only going to be able to do that if I start running things, aren't I? Let's be honest. Um, the other thing is that I'm very much enjoying being a player. At the moment, I'm in two regular groups. I'm very much enjoying that. Although, in one of those groups, the plan is, as we go forward, that other members of the group have games that they want to run. So, you know, there's obviously an opportunity for me there. Knowing myself very well, I'm very happy for those who've already got ideas of what they want to run to run those games. I'm happy to play in those games. When it comes to me bringing something to the table, I've got to say that's probably going to be into the odd. I'm very taken by the setting. I mean, the city of Bastion kind of lives in my head and it's taken on a life of its own and I guess it's only fair that I open the gates of Bastion to the players and uh, see what happens. Also, there's the fact that I've spoken about wanting to introduce my kids to gaming and my wife to gaming. So there's that too. And that is the best answer you're going to get from me, I'm afraid. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.